Hi everyone, my name is Anastasia Lapatina, and you're listening to This Week in Ukraine, a video podcast from the Kyiv Independent. Every week, I sit down with one of my newsroom colleagues to dive into Ukraine's most pressing issues. And today, we're talking about the export of Ukrainian grain into the European Union and the economic mayhem it's causing, leaving new officials with basically no good solutions. I'm joined by the Kyiv Independent reporter, Alexander Query. Alex, welcome to the show. Excited to be here. So a few days ago, you came to me telling me about this story about Ukrainian grain and how the flow of it is turning into such a big problem for certain European countries that there are actual talks of an export blockade. So tell us what exactly is the core of this problem? Well, this issue actually has uh, many cores and we should first focus on basically what happened after the Russian, Russia's grain blockade. Uh, so it's basically Russia's fault and how it actually revealed and how Russia's war in Ukraine actually revealed a massive issue that the EU should have been uh, seeing coming for a while, which is the overwhelming capacity uh, of Ukraine, agricultural capacity that is. The Ukraine is a massive powerhouse uh, when it comes to agriculture. Uh, it's pre-war, uh, its uh, cultivated area was the equivalent of Italy, now it's fairly reduced. That's huge. It is, it is huge. And its production capacity largely dwarves all of its um, neighboring EU, EU countries. So basically when the invasion started, Russia blocked um, Ukraine's exportation through the Black Sea. And Ukraine had to find a solution, and the EU had to find a solution, which was exporting grain over land, uh, which at the beginning seemed like a good solution, but happened to be a, an economic ticking time bomb for the EU, this country, and Ukraine. Let's put some numbers on it. What is Ukraine's grain export capacity um, in comparison to European countries? So what you have to look at is actually not only export capacity, but uh, Ukraine's production capacity. And if we look at this year or last year, for example, despite the war, uh, Ukraine managed to produce 54 million tons. In a good year, Ukraine can produce between 80 and 100 million tons uh, of grain. So basically, that's true that Ukraine overproduces and Ukraine needs to export, uh, need to export this grain. Now, the question, uh, the question is, do, does it export this grain through other countries and two third countries? Uh, to basically help, uh, you know, with global hunger, or uh, does it, you know, gets into the market of European countries and indeed tends to destabilize uh, other markets? Because that's true also that in Ukraine, the grain is of good quality, but it's cheaper than in EU. So when did this issue with grain exports into the EU start? What was the trigger? So the real trigger is Russia's blockade of the Black Sea, because Russia thought that it could uh, blackmail Europe and sort of also blackmail Ukraine by asphyxiating uh, its economy. You have also to take into account that roughly half of Ukraine's budget comes from export. From this half, half of it comes from agricultural uh, exports. It's massive. It's, uh, Ukraine is really heavily reliant on its agricultural exports. So it was a way for for uh, for Russia to to show that well you know to basically destabilize the global market through uh, the Ukrainian market, and again when this started the EU with good intentions again and Ukraine's neighbors with good intentions agreed on two things so creating these solidarity lanes but also 
um, lift tariffs on grain, making it even cheaper. So, of course, it eased the exportation or the importation, depends where you, where you stand, uh, of Ukrainian grain into, into the EU. But um, the problem is it did stir up very old conflict, unfortunately, between the EU and between, I don't want to say recently, newly, but recently integrated uh, countries like Poland, uh, Romania, Hungary, uh, Slovakia, who basically took the brunt of these exports and are accusing, or at least their government is accusing the EU to abandon them and not to help them uh, in face of a potential economic crisis. You mentioned the solidarity lanes. Mm -hmm. So um, tell us about that. Tell us about Ukraine's response to the Black Sea blockade. So um, first, of course, one of the answers, and while well, the EU was actually less involved in that, it was under the patronage of the UN and Turkey, was the Black Sea Grain Initiative with this idea of that we're going to still manage to export and Russia will agree or agreed uh, sort of to, uh, to let a few boats with grain, with Ukrainian grain, go through the blockade to actually allow, well, allow this grain to reach, uh, to reach other countries, including Turkey, including, uh, you, you, you name it. But uh, the bigger, let's say, the, the bigger share of it are what we call solidarity lane, which means basically bringing this grain through, uh, well, overland facilities, like through roads, uh, through railway. That's, that's basically it. The main issue here is that um, the EU and these roads were not ready for so much grain. So it created a logistical nightmare and it created a, a logistical bottleneck absolutely everywhere and at every entry of this country. So these solidarity lanes go through uh, Romania, Poland, a little bit also in, um, in Slovakia and a little bit uh, in, in Bulgaria, but less than in Poland and less in, than, than in Romania. So that's why also these uh, countries took the took the brunt of this Ukrainian grain. Uh, they also, at one point, benefited from the from the situation. So basically, the idea was that instead of transporting Ukrainian grain through the Black Sea, we're going to start majorly doing it uh, through land. We're yeah. going to use roads, railroads, and take it to neighboring countries into the EU. You say that the plan went terribly, and we're going to get into that. But what was the perception of the plan at the time when it was initiated? Well, the perception was good for many reasons at the time, that is when it started, because symbolically helping Ukraine uh, was important, helping Ukraine's economy was important. Um, and it's also, you know, part of, of Russia's war uh, in Ukraine to asphyxiate Ukraine's economy. So, you know, it's also a way to fight back uh, Russia to help, to help Ukraine. So um, Poland and even Polish farmers and Polish traders were actually happy at the beginning because it was, well, cheaper grain and it will also put prices down at the time. Uh, also, it's important to remember that, that at the time, the price, the food prices were, you know, going up. So this grain sort of helped mitigate mm -hmm. uh, prices. Now, the problem is that between May, and I'm going to take the example of Poland, because for me, it's, an, it's, it's a very telling example. Uh, between May and November, a lot of Ukrainian grain came in. It came into the Polish market. And some Polish traders actually benefited because they, bought, they were buying cheap Ukrainian grain, reselling it at Polish prices and basically having, you know, making money over the margin. So what happened? Why did the plan go so wrong? The plan went wrong because of the, because of many things, because of the lack of exporting facilities first. There was too much Ukrainian grain for Poland 
to export. Uh, I'm going to just give you a couple of, of numbers here. Uh, per month, the two biggest ports in Poland, Sognance and Szczecin, can export 500,000 tons per month. Uh, the ports in Ukraine can export 5 million tons per month. We're talking completely different scale here. That's a huge difference. It is a huge difference. And the problem is that uh, the farmers didn't have enough room to put their own grain and the Ukrainian grain in the same time. Plus, uh, the ruling party Law and Justice told uh, Polish farmers in November, back in November 2022, you can keep your grain because, well, yes, there's, there's going to be this cheap grain, but then you can speculate over that. Um, the price are going to go up again. You can make your margin, you know, uh, out of it. The problem is that it didn't stop. Of course, it didn't stop because the quantity of grains are just huge. So basically what's happening now is that the Polish government tends to blame Ukraine and tends to blame the EU for contradictory messages it gave to Polish farmers. And so essentially uh, at the moment, and the, the issue hasn't been solved yet, at the moment, Poland doesn't have enough export facilities. Or its ports are too small uh, to export Ukrainian grain, basically going you know, um, on other markets. And how do these countries that you mentioned respond to this issue? It depends which country. Uh, well, and now I think we're going to have to talk about the ban because it's also one of the core issue of this uh, of this problem is that their answer was, okay, you know what? We don't have enough room. We're going to individually, each country individually, we're going to ban imports of grain. Uh, the problem, and those countries are Poland, Bulgaria. Those countries are Poland, uh, Hungary. Slovakia, Bulgaria, Romania didn't. Mo Romania was sort of in this group, but uh, it was waiting for the EU's reaction. In, Romania had cold feet uh, about about this ban uh, for actually very good reason because it was not the most legal ban. But we so the answer the answer was we're going to protect our our farmers. We're going to protect our markets. Let's stop importing uh, Ukrainian grain. One of the also one of the issues is that. It created those, those uh, decisions and the lack of storage facilities created logistical bottlenecks, meaning, uh, meaning that there are too much trucks at the border with too much grain that cannot enter the country. And actually it just creates some, well, I mean, some traffic somewhere and it just, and this grain doesn't go anywhere. So they're just here waiting until they're going to have the green light and come back to the country, to the country again. So it doesn't really solve the problem per se. It just postpones it until the storage facilities can slightly empty so they can get grain back. And how are the societies in those countries reacting? Regular people, not the government. Um, well, the, the, the farmers I talk to actually know that the Polish government, I'm focusing on Poland here, they know that the Polish government is to blame for its, uh, for its decision and for its contradictory message. So they know, they know who to blame. The main issue here is that if you take uh, Poland, Hungary, and Slovakia, and Bulgaria, uh, those are countries where the massive, let's say the electoral base of the ruling parties or uh, the government are farmers. So since, since January, actually yeah, since January uh, 2023, so January this year, uh, we've seen a lot of mass protest of farmers in Poland, in Hungary and Bulgaria, sometimes used in, uh, let's say, political stunt by each government. 
So you mentioned a ban that each of these individual countries want to enforce a ban uh, to stop Ukrainian grain from crossing the border and coming through. Can these countries actually enforce an export ban like that? Well, that's the problem. They can't. I mean, on, on paper, they can't because they belong to the EU. And in the EU, only the EU is responsible for the trade policy. As a country, you cannot choose on your own trade policy. It goes against the principle of the single market of the EU. So then, I mean, they obviously knew about this. This is a pretty clear EU rule. So why would they push for a ban like that? Because first they wanted to attract the attention of the EU on this, on this problem. And actually they managed because the EU did enforce a ban uh, mm -hmm. starting uh, from May 2nd to June 5th. Poland does want a ban for longer, but I mean, there, you know, there's room for, for negotiation here. But they, they basically wanted to push the EU to take this decision and to put them in front of, you know, the fait accompli and saying, okay, we're going to do it anyways. And actually risking a lot, because if a country begins to do that in the EU, any kind of other country can do that. And mm -hmm. it's actually a fairly dangerous, um, let's say, policy to do so, because by doing so, again, they contradict the very principle of the single market in the EU. You also, to understand also this, this issue, you also have to look at each country's relationship with the EU Commission uh, to understand why they actually decided to, uh, to introduce this ban. Uh, Poland and Hungary have a long-running conflict with the European Commission because the, well, uh, before the, the Russia, Russia's invasion started, uh, Poland was well on the verge of being sanctioned sanctioned by the by the Euro, Euro Commission uh, because of its law anti-abortion and certain uh, let's say Not a slippery slope yes a very a slippery slope uh, towards uh, illiberal rules uh, Hungary already had issues with the with the EU so they used it you know they used the Ukrainian grain as a sort of an excuse for this standoff uh, between themselves and the EU Commission. And it's not the first time that Hungary, for example, is using Ukraine as a tool against the European Commission. Um, I mean, the, the, case, the case of Bulgaria is also interesting, but uh, again, this, it's sort of the same than with Poland. They had the general uh, elections in April, and you could... Basically, during this, there was this image during this farmer protest where the minister, the minister of agriculture of Bulgaria, was on a tractor and you know was among farmers and saying, "We're with you guys." It's it, there's a lot of going with communication uh, as a political stunt and you know looking close to, to looking close to their electoral base because they don't want to lose uh, yet another election with an issue that they actually didn't really see coming. And how does the EU respond to all of this? The European Commission, other bodies? So the European Union, uh, or at least the, Euro the European Commission, uh, responded by what it does best, which is giving money to farmers. Uh, like, well, it gave a hundred, uh, last, uh, if I'm not wrong, last month, a hundred million euros to farmers. Uh, and it, before that, it, it gave 56 million euros to farmers to which, who were effect, affected by the, by the crisis. So that's one answer. The other answer is, of course, enforcing this ban, a short ban. So again, from May 2nd to June 5, on a very narrowed, uh, narrowed down list. I think it's uh, corn, uh, I have to check that, it's uh, corn, wheat, maize, and uh, no, uh, rapeseed, and, uh, and another, another one. 
So basically a very narrow down list that could fit to each country and say to each country, again, let's appease this whole situation. We agree with this ban. We give you some sort of leeway for this ban, but let's have a... The EU Commission is trying to save face here by saying, okay, you know what, guys, let's have a ban altogether and let's keep this, you know, uh, unique trade policy uh, or at least united trade policy rather than just, you know, having one one trade policy for for each country. And so you said they've agreed on a ban Mm -hmm. for at least a month for now. What does this ban look like in practice? In practice, it means that um, the Ukrainian grain coming into Poland, Hungary, Bulgaria, Slovakia will have to be in sealed containers, sealed and guarded containers. They will have to go from the border to the port or to any other place where they export, and it cannot go into the market. So it's the transit continues to third countries, mm-hmm. but this grain cannot go into the domestic market at least until the domestic market sort of empty the storage and can actually you know have more grain again. And what kind of effect does this have on Ukraine? It has a huge effect on Ukraine, uh, and Ukrainian officials are not happy uh, with uh, with this ban, partly because they don't really understand uh, why uh, why Ukraine and why blaming Ukraine now. Partly because uh, Ukraine is losing a lot of money, as I said before, uh, exportations are you know, and agricultural exports are uh, taking the lion's share in in ukraine's budget so since the beginning of the like in 2022 ukraine lost the equivalent of six billion dollars uh, in exportation which is massive for a country for a country at work there is an economical effect that ripples out in ukraine um 14 percent of of ukrainian um, are farmers so it's also a big bunch of the economy uh, it also ripples on their livelihood. And yeah, politically speaking, Ukraine doesn't understand why some Polish officials want to do that, despite still defending Ukraine, and still despite helping Ukraine militarily. They don't really understand this contradiction. And it doesn't understand why the EU would actually go against its own free trade agreement and against its own policy. Why? Because the EU extended for another year uh, a free, well, basically it extended lifting tariffs on, on Ukraine's goods. So why why you want to say, well, we're lifting the tariffs, but we're going to ban your grain imports. This contradictory message hurts uh, Ukrainian official and it hurts also how Ukrainians see the consistency of the, of the EU here. So it seems like it's a very ideological issue, like it's hitting at the very core of EU-Ukraine relations, because of course, Ukraine is striving for integration with the EU. And now we have this export ban, which has such a negative impact on us. It is a hit also at a massive symbol, which is uh, related to the Maidan somehow. So when the Maidan, the revol- Maidan revolution started, one of the key issue of the Maidan is Yanukovych, you know, turning its back to the EU agreement and signing with Russia instead. Uh, the Maidan happened and finally Ukraine did sign the EU uh, free trade, uh, EU-Ukraine uh, agreement. So it was, it was a big deal for Ukraine because it was the first step towards, towards the EU. I mean, of course, the revolution mm. 
happened, like a huge part of why it happened was um, Ukraine's EU aspirations and people died, hundreds of people died for it. Exactly. So it's hard to, it's hard for Ukrainians to understand that, uh, unfortunately, this big symbol and signing, signing a paper sometimes, uh, well, there's an adjustment needed with the reality, with the economic realities, which is Ukraine being somehow a bit of a, uh, a too powerful uh, power agricultural powerhouse uh, in in Europe, and but it's not necessarily Ukraine's fault here. It's also you know I want to say a bit of lack of preparation and a lack of of uh, seeing ahead from from the European structure on that matter. And who else holds responsibility? Who since they're all playing a blame game, who should Ukraine blame? I mean, the first responsible is Russia. That 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 is something that we shouldn't forget. This crisis wouldn't have happened in this form if Russia didn't start the blockade. Um, that's 100% Russia. And Russia is also happy about, you know, seeing uh, Ukraine having doubts about Poland and Poland having doubts about the EU and all these di dissensions, um, well, around this topic, because I mean, when, when the EU shows, you know, cracks or when this sort of, uh, this friendship and this collaboration shows cracks, Russia is, is happy actually. So if we want to play the blame game at the end of the day, it's, it's still Russia is still to blame when it comes to, you know, bringing this situation on the table. So right now, Ukraine increased exports into the EU because of the war. But let's say after the war, if Ukraine does finally integrate into the European Union, is it going to be a similar issue? Because Ukraine is going to have to enter the EU single market with all of this grain and a bunch of other goods as well. Well, uh, the important factor here is the Black Sea. Is that um, if, let's say, if the war stops tomorrow and Ukraine finally has access to the Black Sea, and finally, you know, can deal with the sort of uh, bottleneck exports uh, in, the, in the Black Sea, it sort of helps with the situation because Ukraine will not have to use or we have to use less of the exporting infrastructure of the EU. So the situation may reg regulate itself. Now, if the war lasts, yes, it will be, it will be a massive issue for, for the EU. So the only way to get out of this and one of the only solutions is actually for the European Union to invest in exporting facilities, in making bigger ports, uh, not only in subsidizing and subsidizing farmers, because I mean, there's only so much you can subsidize at one point. Right. So you're just giving money and money and what are you doing after? So, and um, yeah, and helping with this logistical, let's say, blockade at every part of the borders uh, between Ukraine and the EU. That would be a good solution because it is true that when Ukraine, uh, not if, but when Ukraine will be integrated uh, in, in the EU, cheap, good quality, but cheap Ukrainian grain will overflow um, European markets. European farmers will not be happy with that. So the EU should think in advance about its agricultural policy uh, if it wants to continue subsidizing or not. And that's, it actually puts in, you know, puts on the table real questions about the, the, the U.S. agricultural policy as a whole. Um, but that should be done, you know, with Ukraine, not necessarily against Ukraine. 
We're now going to be answering some questions from our supporters on Patreon. Our patrons get a chance to ask us questions before every single episode, and they also get exclusive access to events like thematic discussions with editors and more. It's really simple to get such access. Just go to patreon.com slash independent. So the first question that we got was, quote, here is what I don't understand about the grain situation. Ukraine has grain. Prices in France and Egypt are climbing through the roof. Why is Ukraine grain a problem? It seems like the solution. End quote. Uh, Ukraine's grain is, is not a problem. The problem is the um, is the logistics. So, uh, as soon as these logistical issues are solved, yes, then the grain can can you know go freely to Egypt, which is true. He's heavily reliant on Ukrainian grain, like a lot of African countries. If you count like Nigeria, uh, for example, uh, is also heavily reliant on on Ukrainian grain. So, no, Ukrainian grain is not an issue at all. It's just. Uh, it has to it has to go freely through uh, its classic and let's say its traditional uh, way of being exported, which is which is the Black Sea. Again, we come back to to what I said earlier. But Ukrainian Ukrainian grain is not the problem. Russian Russia's blockade is the problem here. Well, Alex, thank you for being here. It was really interesting. Thank you for hosting me. Also this week, Russia alleged that on the night of May 2nd, two Ukrainian drones tried to assassinate dictator Vladimir Putin, as videos of the Kremlin being hit surfaced online. Ukraine denied the accusation and didn't claim responsibility for the attack. The head of the American military, General Mark Milley, said that Ukraine now has the capabilities to launch the long-awaited counteroffensive, according to his interview with Foreign Affairs magazine. And U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken told Fox News that Ukraine's success on the battlefield is the quickest way to just and durable peace. You can find our show on YouTube and all audio platforms every Friday morning. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to us and like our content wherever you're listening to this podcast. Please consider supporting The Cuban Independent on Patreon at patreon.com slash independent and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening.